0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of This Catholic Life. Conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. That's going to be tested today, probably more than it has been any time in the past, by today's topic. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about Cardinal Powell, about politics, especially in New South Wales, and about our response. So, The title is Pell Politics and Prayer. It's been an intense week for Catholics and we thought it a good idea to put out a special episode um, about how we respond, how we actually um, deal with this quite intense situation. I'm joined today by Chris Lee, who's a team leader of Sydney Catholic Youth, the Archdiocesan Youth Team here in Sydney. He is a member of the Thomas Kelly Youth Foundation. And in 2014, he co-founded a group called Conviction. Is that right? Conviction Group? Yep, that's right. Uh, A young man's mental health group, which aimed to reach out to young men with good masculine role models. And he's the 2017 Hillshire Citizen of the Year and a former youth ministry leader in Parramatta. Welcome, Chris.
1: Thank you. I think my mum wrote that introduction. She's very proud (laughs) of (laughs) that.
0: Thanks
1: for having me, Peter.
0: I don't identify as your mum just yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm also joined uh, by a seasoned veteran of This Catholic Life, Monica Dumit, um, who studied and practiced law before taking up roles in public advocacy. She's currently the Director of Public Affairs and Engagement for the Archdiocese of Sydney and has been rather busy lately in that role. And she's also a columnist at the Catholic Weekly. But her biggest claim to fame is that she appeared on our last episode of this Catholic life. Welcome, Monica.
2: Thank you very much, Peter. Good to be with you again.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, although I wish I wish we could say it is in great circumstances. We're, we're meeting it, I guess, as a special episode today because it has been rather intense in Catholics' life in Sydney. Um, just this week, Cardinal Pell's appeal uh, against his conviction Uh, was uh, denied, a two-to-one verdict. Um, And I wonder, Monica, if you could just briefly bring us up to date on what the the legal status of um, Cardinal Pell is at the moment.
2: Okay, so Cardinal Pell is back in prison as we speak, uh, still in the Melbourne Assessment Prison, awaiting to hear where they will move him to next. In terms of the legal case, he has 28 days from the date of the decision, which was the 21st of August, uh, to be able to make an, in, an appeal to the High Court or at least to seek leave to appeal to the High Court of Australia if that's what he decides to do. Um, the process and they of, have
0: to give him permission to appeal if, if that's the case.
2: Absolutely. And I think that, that you only get something like 20 minutes or something to argue the merits of your appeal to the High Court right. in the first instance. And then after that they decide whether or not they will hear your case. So it's not that the whole appeal takes 20 minutes, but asking them to hear your appeal takes 20 minutes. So it's a very, very short uh, time. It hasn't been decided yet, though, whether or not he um, he will appeal. The judgment ran to some 320 pages and so... They've got to look through that, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, it's worth... Um, just reflecting. We're not intending in this show to reflect on the judgment itself or any part of it. Um, we're much more interested in what that means for Catholics now, um, whether we think that Cardinal Pell should be in jail or whether he shouldn't or whether he's innocent or guilty is, in any case, it's going to have an effect on us. Um, Cardinal Pell, whether you liked him or not, has been a significant leader in the Catholic Church in Australia, Um uh, for the, there are many people who were heartened by his public stand against um, some things and for many things um, in, in person. I can say I genuinely enjoyed his company and uh, he was a, a, an inspiration in the times that he acted as, as leader in Australia's Catholic community. And so this hits hard um, regardless of how we feel about the conviction. I think, I think that everyone's a little bit stunned um, or they were even back at the first um, court cases. Um, could I bring Chris Lee into this conversation? Chris, um, you've got your finger on the um, pulse of the youth organisations and the, the Catholic youth around the diocese. How do you see their reaction um, to Cardinal Pell's uh, trial, et cetera?
1: I think um, a lot of people are hurting at the moment, which is understandable. I think when we um, look at it and... A big part of um, this period, I've just been reflecting on what the Cardinal has done for the church in Australia, and without a doubt, he's probably been one of the most influential church leaders that we've ever had in Australia. Like If we think about it from a youth perspective, um, we wouldn't have had World Youth Day 08 if it wasn't for Cardinal Pell, and the difference in the life-giving fruits that World Youth Day 08 brought to um, the Archdiocese of Sydney, but also to the church in Australia, was amazing. So just thinking about that, um, I think that we've got a lot to be thankful for in that instance. There's a lot of young people who knew the Cardinal and knew him well and travelled over the World Youth Days with him. So a lot of them are a bit confused, a lot of them are upset and they're hurting now, which is understandable. I think Mm. when I was speaking to Archbishop Anthony when we went over the World Youth Day in Panama, I was sitting down with him and we're having a quiet chat. You don't get time very often to sit down with the Archbishop and ask him questions. But I um, took my opportunity and I said to him, "Um, do you ever wish that you were Archbishop of Sydney in an easier time? And he didn't even answer my question. He said, he just looked at me and goes, you know, Chris – this is the time that we've been given. You know, this is the time we can There's no point about talking about the 50s or the 60s and being Archbishop then. I'm Archbishop now and you're my Mm. team leader for the youth office now. So we have to deal with what's in front of us and move through it.
0: Well, he's probably, I mean, uh, I like that he's quoting Gandalf there um, in in Lord of the Rings. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to live in this time, but we, we need to decide what we're doing this time. I remember thinking about Augustine, how it must have been awesome to live around that time. And then you look at his circumstances and the horrible things that were happening in the Roman Empire, in the Christian Empire at the time, the vandals coming through and and sacking Rome. Um, Monica, you've had your finger on the pulse of a lot of the public um, reactions, so that often means media. Um, How would you uh, assess in a a, a short time um, how the, the general public and probably expressed through the media are reacting to this?
2: I would say that there is still a fair bit of division, uh, that the judgment this week didn't necessarily provide the closure that I think maybe people had imagined it would. Uh, The media commentary is intense and I get Mm. I get media alerts in my inbox, and it has exploded uh, over the last couple of days, obviously. But there are many people domestically uh, and overseas going through the judgment, asking questions, particularly given that the dissenting judge wrote a two hundred page, uh, a two hundred page judgment of his own, disagreeing right. with the original verdict. Um, and so, there still is a matter of debate out there. Um, I think somebody said yesterday, and, and it's probably true, that I'm not sure the decision in the Court of Appeal changed anybody's mind. Um, that there, the people who were inclined to believe Cardinal Pell guilty were, you know, buttressed by the decision of the majority and, and those who were inclined to believe him innocent were strengthened by the, the strong dissenting judgment, and so mm. the lack of resolution, and then particularly in light of a potential high court, a high court appeal, means that that, that this still is up for discussion. There is a yeah. lot of debate about it, and that's.
0: Well, we 've talked so far about the the emotional impact on people who um, are concerned for part Cardinal Pell or perhaps had a positive experience of Cardinal Powell at some time in their life we probably We definitely need to talk about people who um, saw Cardinal Pell as uh, representing things that they didn 't agree with and that they felt hurt by um, in particular, I want to absolutely acknowledge that uh, if someone if anyone has suffered um, Sexual abuse at the hands of anybody to do with the church. Cardinal Pell would have looked like and has been presented in the media as a kind of a, you know, escape, not a scapegoat, a, a sort of a, an example of, um, you know, why we should get the church and we should we should get back at those um, those villains. And I've had the privilege of hearing some of those stories, and they. Um, there's definitely, you know, it doesn't matter if you like, like they haven't been personally involved in Cardinal Pell's story, but he represents and the news stories which keep getting pumped out there represent that hurt and bring that hurt to light. Um, uh, that, that concerns me a lot because when our reaction needs to take into account that people are hurting and they're not necessarily directly connected to the facts in this case, the, um, Would you say that's a fair comment, Monica?
2: Yeah, absolutely. In some of the media coverage after the judgment, you would hear the comments of things like, this was not just a victory for the individual victim. This Mm. is a victory for victims everywhere. Victims everywhere celebrated. Survivors of sexual abuse, Catholic Church or not, celebrated this Mm. decision. That There was a sense that this is... Symbolic in that way, um, mm. and that, as much as the courts were saying that Cardinal Pell was not on trial for any of any other crimes except the ones for which he had been charged, that the reaction in the media um, and and in some quarters didn't seem to reflect that. Mm. I do have to say that to an extent, that's understandable. We went through a banking Royal Commission and within a couple of days, you know, CEOs of banks lost their jobs and that th- there was that sense of, well, okay, we've, we've had this public airing of the problems in the, the banking sector and then there were immediate consequences for the leaders in yep. those situations. Um, that wasn't the case during the five-year-long Child Abuse Royal Commission. Uh,
0: no, no.
2: And I think that there was a real desire to to see that, and and we've definitely seen that play out uh, in some of the commentary, uh, particularly over the last couple of days.
0: Yeah. So even so, we might say that even if, um, uh, well, regardless of the whatever the eventual outcome of Cardinal Pell's case, the, the, so a lot of the public feeling is very strongly about um, um, a reaction to the Church's general. Um, failure to address these issues and the church genuine and we've spoken about that in, in a prior episode, um, in, I think in episode two on, on what gives Catholics a bad name and the fact that the, our brand has been so tarnished did, certainly wouldn't have helped in terms of the public um, view and possibly, who knows, I mean just the general way that the, the system has dealt with uh, Catholics in this area. Let's not get too bogged down in uh, this particular case, I want to actually move to another major um, sort of development in recent times and that's the the abortion laws which are being uh, very um, rushed through with unseemly haste uh, through parliament. Uh, we had a stay of execution um, just I think only a couple of days ago um, which coincided with quite, I don't think it was caused by, but it was coincided by a, quite a large public Uh, Gathering outside of Parliament, Um, I suspect it was more caused by um, coalition MPs, you know, (laughs) causing a bit of a ruckus inside the Parliament, that uh, than that. What's your reading on that, Monica?
2: Well, we got the stay of execution just hours before the rally that you mentioned was supposed to occur. So So, uh, it it occurred in time. But I would say, Peter, that. The stay of execution is directly attributable to the number of people who stood up for life right. over the last couple okay. of weeks. The reason that that coalition MPs were able to talk about uh, so strongly against the way the bill was intended to be pushed through parliament is because their phones were ringing off the hook. So right. the, the call to arms, in a sense, went out to the faithful, uh, not only Catholics, but people of other faiths and denominations, and also to anyone on the side of life. And they responded. Um, Last I heard a a petition has hit 100,000 physical signatures, physical signatures in an online world against this. Um, So even before they heard us at the rally and they did hear us inside the chamber, um, they heard us in many other ways. And I think that that's that's really important.
0: On that note, let's let's um, also reflect on the fact that um, uh, even if no, even if somebody doesn't agree with us with regards to the abortion uh, laws themselves, there is a case to be put that um, such radical um, laws need much more careful consideration. They need much more careful consideration of issues such as conscientious objection. Um, uh, there's a there's a large number of Catholic agencies which deal with um, end-of-life and start-of-life issues and whether or not uh, you know, it really is a case of whether or not we're free t- uh, to act according to what we believe is true um, anymore. Would you say that's a fair case?
2: Absolutely. Uh, that a live-and-let-live live mentality isn't enough, that there is actually this desire to coerce or to co-opt Everybody, including those who would otherwise object, into mm. a particular practice.
0: Well, I have to say, as a as a, um, a father of a, a child with special needs, one of the most frequent questions my wife and I are asked are, "Did you know about this particular condition before your baby was born?" And the implication there is, um, "Are you going to sue us because we should have told you to abort?" Or perhaps you know? Did you have the option and chose to go ahead? Now, we as it happens, we didn't know. Um, the scans have twice been wrong in our cases. Um, the point that I'm trying to make is: I think this has a flow-on effect. I think there's an implication here that if you have an absolute, um, and there is this this concern is being raised in the in the communities which care for disabled children. Um, Will there be undue pressure as soon as you sort of open these floodgates, will there be undue pressure on parents um, of children in the womb to just dispense with children who are inconvenient or expensive to keep alive? What I wanted to talk about, though, was our our courage but also our hopefulness. The, the head of this show says we're sensible, practical, and joyful <laughs> Catholics. So this is about as big a test as we've had. Um uh, so perhaps if I could throw it over to Chris for a second, um, young people have a special gift to the church and that is enthusiasm and joy. Um, <laughs> how do, I mean, it looks pretty grim from you guys, but you, you haven't known a different scenario in some respects. Like, uh, So can you give us a perspective from the youth on, on what gives them hope for the future?
1: One of the things about this pro-life cause specifically is that there's this um, quote that floats around which talks about um, people that talk about separation between church and state and the the separation between religion and politics sometimes don't understand um, them both. So I'm paraphrasing now, but what we're basically um, working with with young people is that a lot of them have this real want and this desire for social justice. So for justice to be able to be done for uh, caring for people, for caring for the most vulnerable, for caring for the weak, for caring for causes that um, are important. But with um, young people, we've been uh, trying to... um, kind of exposed the pro-life movement to young people to be able to get a bit more support for it so that we can talk about one of the biggest challenges that our society will face and my generation will face is around the issues around life, the start of life and at the end of life. So once you understand the science and the science um, to be clear is on our side, I know this is a Catholic podcast, but the science behind it is is about a human being inside the womb. And all mm. young people, once they understand it and talk it through, say yes. So that want and that desire to be able to protect that human life um is there. So last week, when we were up there, there were still about one hundred and ten people, young people in front of Parliament House at eleven o'clock at night, still chanting and protesting, and making sure mm. that their voices were counted. and
0: so so Chris, if I can interrupt you there, yep. the that's that's a fantastic thing, and I, I was um heartened to see. Uh, it's funny, I, I was reflecting on it, I was heartened to see many faces I recognised outside of Parliament but uh, I wasn't actually there um, but one of my sons was. Um, but I was I was heartened to see people I hadn't recognised ever and never seen and there were thousands of people there. I had kind of met them all. Um, it, it, it's very heartening but as we talked about before, it's a stay of execution so there's going to be I suspect, I mean, it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take the kind of pressure that Monica talked about, that consistent making sure the MPs know that this is, you know, this is something we care passionately about and we're holding them accountable for as as our representatives. They don't govern us by their own right. They're our representatives. Um, But how do we we face a world where legally and in parliaments they're, they're consistently... Sending the message that um, you know that the the Christian worldview and the understanding of things is not one that's shared by our lawgivers. That this country is no longer run by that.
1: I think what I take hope in is once again when I was having one of these conversations with Archbishop Anthony, and we, there is a chance for us as young people to fall into a little bit of a pity party and say, "Well, is me," and <laughs> talk about how hard life is and how hard it is to be a young Catholic. Um, And we were having this discussion with the Archbishop one day with youth ministers and we are talking about our different challenges and how to be a Catholic to engage with society. And the um, Archbishop just said, as he was explaining, he understands the times are hard, um, but at the end of the day we need to remember that the battle's already been won. So if the battle's already been won, everything else really to a certain degree um, matters, but it also doesn't matter because we've already been saved. So for that we have to do our part to be able to bring more young people speak the truth no matter what the cost um, because that we know at the end of the day that um, our Lord is victorious. So for young people today, they're a lot more fervent in their beliefs, which might be a bit of a generalisation, but they um, have given, they're growing up in a society where there was always kind of this pushback that it wasn't cool or wasn't um, kind of um, culturally um, appropriate to be Catholic and to be practising your faith. But a lot of them have grown up like with the whole um, sex abuse crisis. This isn't a new thing that's come through. Like this was happening. A lot of these um, conversations were happening as we were growing up. So we know about it. But at the same time, we see the beauty and we see the truth that the church offers us. And while these things that have happened in the church are very disappointing because um, at the same time that they hurt young people, they also hurt us, the faithful followers, um, yeah. But in saying that, if we were to walk away from our faith, we'd be giving up so much more. It's so important yeah. to our identity and kind of our sense of being as a young person um, that we love the church, we love our Lord, and um, we want to do the best to be able to speak the truth into society it's in all that's,
0: that's an important point, Chris. The the, um, the the reason we're so disappointed when something doesn't go um, when when someone doesn't live up to what the church says is because they didn't live up to what the church says, mm. and it's an ideal that we hold to. Very, it's a very precious thing, and we believe that it's it. The world would be a better place if people held these ideals and lived according to them. And if someone fails to do that, we are hurt, um, if not as much as even more than some people who aren't connected to the Catholic Church in that sense.
1: And a lot I've, of people. Had,
0: sorry. Sorry, I've had texts and and messages from lots of people, including Protestants and atheists, saying, we're we're thinking of you guys and praying for you at this time. We know this isn't your ideal. This isn't what you believe in. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, go on, Chris.
1: And a lot of people will hold us to a higher kind of regard, so they will hold us up because we are people of faith. And to be honest, they should because we are people um, who strive to be holy, strive to be one with Christ, so if they do hold us to a higher account, it's because they're expecting more of us, and that's a good thing.
2: And Christ holds us to a higher account. Uh, Peter, Amen. you're more the scripture scholar than than I am, but there's that passage uh, that we heard a couple of weeks ago uh, in the Sunday Gospel where Jesus said that those who knew their master's will and failed to do it will be punished more severely than those who didn't know. So, if as Catholics we claim that we have the fullness of the truth, and we do, then it means that we have to bear a greater responsibility. Um, yes, and our failure, our failures, will be and and should be punished worse than yeah. than others.
0: So, you're bringing this uh, short special episode to a. close, I'm going to quote something even more radical, Monica. Um, If if there is anything more radical than that, that was amazing. But um, Christ says in Matthew 5, um, Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, okay, we're blessed. But then he goes on to say, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. Rejoice and be glad is something I'm I'm not doing so well with right now um, in terms of rejoicing. There's so much um, angst and hurt and pain on all sides of this discussion in public. But if there's ever a test on whether Catholics can be sensible, practical and joyful, this is it. And can I say, just like in Augustine's time, just uh, like in all those other times, this is the time for heroes. This is the time for saints. This is the time where it actually matters um, if we believe what we believe and if we do believe that people should be heard and dignified and protected at all costs well when some of the costs come along we need to actually pay them um, and that that's this is a time for heroes and I i would say Catholics um, be careful on how we be heroes, Ra- grabbing our sword and our crusader shield and running off to hit someone is probably not going to uh, be, be a great response we need to Respond as Christ did and heroes in the Christian sense have always been people who stood firm but never in a way which deliberately lashed out and hurt other people in our standing. Um, I can see you nodding over there, Monica. Have I... (laughs)
2: except to the bit where you said that um, we can't pick up our sword and and run into the crowd. I'd I'd like to exclude myself from that particular exhortation (laughs) there, Peter Holmes, um, because I want to fight somebody Um, at the moment.
0: (laughs) Well, I want to. I mean, I definitely want to. And and this is part of – I mean, there's a genuine goodness in the desire to fight for justice, particularly when we're fighting for the most vulnerable when we're fighting for those who can't defend themselves. And if anyone wants to have a go at any of my children, including any that are in the womb, then they'll find me very my hand very close to a sword. Um, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes there, definitely we should fight for what's good, true and beautiful, but we want to make sure that we are actually fighting for something and not just lashing out out of our own hurt and our own emotions and that, that we're not actually just gratifying our own, hurt. That's the distinction I was trying to make there.
2: Peter, the first time I ever heard you give a public lecture was now probably about 10 years ago uh, during Scene 2009. And I'm going to quote something that you said back then because it stuck with me and you just reminded me of it. You said something along the lines of, a true warrior fights not because they hate what's standing in front of them, but they love what standing behind what what they're standing in front of? So what's behind them?
0: Yeah, well, that was a quote of a, a U.S. general actually, <laughs> in World War Two. But yes, thank you.
2: But but I remember it. So the idea is that if we're fighting, we're doing it out of love for the cause for which we're fighting, mm. not yes. out of hatred of of the people that we're fighting against, or out of hatred of an. Of an opposition. Yeah. Um, well, as the
0: scriptures say, we, we fight not against flesh and blood, not against human beings, but against the powers and principalities of evil. That's mm.
1: right. I was um, thinking today about Martin Luther King and when he was doing the civil rights movement um, through America. And one of his most famous quotes were, at the end of the day, we won't remember the words of our enemies, um, but we'll remember the silence of our friends. And that was a really big one for me because around that kind of whole life issue and vulnerability and stuff like that. Throughout the church, I think at the end of the day, what hurts us is apathy, you know? Nothing that the opposition can throw at us or even people that might not believe what we believe and um, say and all that kind of stuff, that can't affect us um, to a certain degree than the apathetic nature towards faith and suffering does. Um, yes. So for but us... That also
0: means, that also means Chris, that not being... Um Empath- empathetic with people who have suffered so for example a young mm. mother who's who's debating whether or not to abort you know to actually not just say you can't abort but to actually get in there and suffer with her and, right. and help her and genuinely love her absolutely um because again talking about love doesn't convince many people no we usually convince people by loving and if we live it then that's the strongest witness. Of course, we need to stand up and be counted, um, but part of that standing up is the individual people that we meet, listening to them, caring for them, et cetera.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Encounter's I interrupted
0: you, Chris, sorry. No,
1: no, that's right. <laughs> encounter is a huge thing and we have to remember at the heart of all these issues is a human being. Um, so to be able to journey with them and encounter them and, and the church does so much for uh, vulnerable women, um, even with the Diocese in New York, and what Sisters of Life are doing there with Cardinal Dole, and it's amazing.
0: Um, so, yeah. Mm. Any last words, uh, Monica, I'll throw to you?
2: Um, sure. Look, y- you were talking before about joy, um, and I guess I want to be really honest to say that I'm not there yet, and if you're listening to this uh, and you're you're hearing it, it, it's okay. It's okay to be feeling... I don't know, a whole range of emotions at the moment. Um,
0: yeah. I'm Joy is not a feeling, but, it, <laughs> it, but it's certainly hard to see at the moment though, isn't it?
2: Mm. But look, I'm angry and I'm scared and and all of those things, uh, confused, frustrated, uh, so many emotions at the moment. Um, and... I know some good advice that I was given, and I'm not going to say where it was from because it was from a TV show, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and not Oprah. Um, but give yourself a time limit on how long you you know you get to grieve. So there are things that that we're all grieving at the moment for different reasons, and and whatever whatever our view on abortion on the cardinal grief is is a real feeling at the moment. So give yourself some time to grieve, but then. Time's up, get up and get back to work. Because as as you said before, Peter, we need heroes at the moment. We need saints. And wallowing isn't going to give Australia the saints that it needs right now. Um, So time's up. Uh, By the time you get to the end of this podcast, your time for grief is over. Get up and get back to work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, maybe it's slightly longer than that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it's a good idea to, to put a time limit on it, to to actually not allow ourselves, if you like, to be captured by this. Grief is appropriate, but it, even a good thing can capture us in a way. I'm, I personally have a devotion to the sacred heart um, and the opportunity, if you like, to join in Christ's sufferings for reparation of these kinds of things is a, is a way to pour out that angst and that, that hurt. Um, into something hopefully positive and redemptive. Um, that's that just works for me. What about you, Chris? Any last sort of thoughts?
1: Um, I haven't been on the front lines as much as Monica. Like I've been there cheering her on and being a bigger supporter and being a bit of the cheerleader for her. Um, so I am upset as well with this week. It's been a tough week. It's been a full-on week. But I keep remembering how Christ said that he'd never desert his people and sometimes we might feel like we're in a desert and there's no life around but we have to remember that we haven't been deserted so i um have faith for the future and i know that this will all come out and sometimes with life um i was reading this quote today and it was like um life makes sense when you look at it backwards but it must be lived forwards so In hindsight, (laughs) I think a lot of this stuff, we can see God working in the midst today, but it might not make sense, but I know that he's still working there with us. Um, And that gives me hope because I think through these trials, through these persecutions, um, and as we remember Christ carrying his cross to Calgary, the cross didn't end in Calgary. It ended at the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. So through this time, um, I think it's actually quite a... um, exciting time even though it's a hard time to be catholic it's an exciting time and an interesting time because this is a time when saints are made and um people become leaders of the faith people take on the personal responsibility of their faith to be able to walk and share that with other people so yeah i'm hopeful i still have um joy with me and um yeah, I, I hope if the listeners that are listening to this remember that like, it is difficult at the moment to see someone that we all care about and the issues that we care about being um, pulled through the mud and tarnished. But at the end of the day, we have um, our Lord with us uh, through these trials.
0: Amen. I'd like to add that um, there's a reason why some aspects of the media are pushing this so hard. If, if they thought everyone agreed with them, they wouldn't bother pushing it because they would just simply just let it go because they didn't think it's a fight. It is still a fight. There's still a huge proportion of the silent majority of Australia who have misgivings, at least, about these issues. And that's the reason they're pushing so hard. So it, it's on. It's on, people. And it's not a time to be sitting back and feeling like we're defeated. It's the time to shine. It's the time to shine with Christ's love. It's the time to step forward. And be counted in that Christ-like sense, where he wouldn't back down. He took it, he took the pain, he took the suffering, and he's gone there before us. He's asking us to step up and be there with him. Um, it's the time for heroes, and I think we'll. I think that's a good time to end the podcast. <laughs> um, that's it for this special podcast of this Catholic Life. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with us, uh, if you have a, something to add to the discussion, you can subscribe to our podcast on thiscatholiclife.com.au. Send us an email at info at thiscatholiclife.com.au. Join our Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram, or Discord, or subscribe to us on or any of your podcast devices. Please consider writing us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find us Um, remember that this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast we think that's a great idea and we think it's worth getting behind so tell your friends about it that's all for today